welcome back. I am so glad that you are here. I am here today with Emily Taylor, the author of Unlocking Bright Minds, who also happens to be my sister. We are here today to talk about a concept called the black zone, something that I feel strongly is good for everybody to be aware of so that we can avoid it. And Emily has had some experiences with being in the black zone and then with not being in the black zone, and so she's here to share her experiences with us today. First, I'm going to tell you how I learned about this. Um, when I lived in Saudi Arabia several years ago, there was a, a terrorist bombing that targeted my family. And following the terrorist bombing, the FBI sent some psychologists to provide some training for us on how to avoid being the targets of kidnappings and assassinations and things like that. It was very, very useful training. They shared a concept with us called the Black Zone, which is what we're here to talk about today. It was eye-opening to me. I realized that this was something that happens to me on occasion and something that I really actively want to avoid. So the black zone is a mental state that happens to us. Most often it happens if you've been lost in your own thoughts, maybe listening to music with earbuds in or concentrating on a grocery list or just thinking through what you need to do after you pick the kids up from school, something where you're absorbed in your own thoughts and you're not fully conscious of and thinking about your surroundings. And then in this state where you're lost in your own thoughts, you are surprised by something that happens outside of you, something that somebody does that scares you or even terrifies you. And that sudden change from being lost in your own thoughts to being scared or terrified by somebody that feels like a threat to you in some way causes a change to your mental state and puts you into what we call the black zone. In this zone, you are very open to suggestion. It's really hard not to do what somebody tells you or asks you to do when you're in the black zone. Um, this happens because your prefrontal cortex shuts down. Um, your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that is in charge of your conscious decision-making, planning, organizing, and recognizing what your future goals are and, and accomplishing those goals. And when that shuts down and when you're afraid, your amygdala takes over. And the amygdala is the part of the brain that is more primitive and is responsible for the fight, flight, or freeze response that we have when we're really scared. So the black zone uh, is a variation on this freeze response. When your mind is frozen all you can do is follow the instructions that you're given. So somebody tells you to do something and even if you don't want to do it, you do it because your prefrontal cortex is not functioning, it's gone offline. And this leaves you so open to suggestion and so vulnerable to being abused or taken advantage of in some way. I was recently telling my sister Emily about this, and she told me about her experiences recently with being in the black zone. I'm really excited to have her here today to tell us about her experiences with this and how she was able to change her responses 
and avoid being in the black zone. And so she's here to tell us about it. And Emily, welcome to the show. And go ahead and tell us about your experiences. Okay, thank you. This specific experience happens when I am either grocery shopping or filling up with gas. For some reason, the grocery store I go to is a Walmart, it's right by my house, and the gas station I go to, also by my house, I am often approached by people asking me to pay for their groceries or their gas, depending on where I'm at. And this, you wouldn't think that this would be a situation that would put me in the black zone, but uh, with my history and my past, so I am a sexual abuse survivor and I was abused as a child. And as a child, I was constantly put into situations where I didn't feel like I had control and I just had to do what the other person was telling me I had to do. So here I am now as an adult, and and I'm getting being approached by these people saying, "Can you pay for my gas, or will you pay for my groceries?" And this happens like way more often than you would probably think. I'm talking like once every three or four months, and and each time it happens, I didn't know this. I I could not have told you I'm being put into the black zone. All I knew was that I was very uncomfortable. And, and I felt like I just had to say yes. I just mm-hmm. had to say yes. And, so, but then the, the repercussion, the, the follow-up of that uh-huh. was that I was terrified. And so I would pay for whoever's gas and I would pay for whoever's groceries. And in my mind, I would think, this is a nice thing for me to do. I should be doing this for this person. This is nice and, and financially I can afford this. And so I should do this, but I kind of want to punch him in the face and I'm terrified. And so every time this would happen, if it was in Walmart, I felt like I was big. Like it felt like my body would get big. Hmm. And I felt like I couldn't walk to my car until I, it was like, I had to make sure I was safe before I could walk to my car. So I would look around in, in, in minutes, like I'm talking like 10 or 15 minutes. So after I would pay for someone's groceries, it would take me about 10 or 15 minutes before I felt safe enough to even walk to my car. Or if I was at the gas station, it would take a long time for me to like get in my car and just feel like I could drive off without whoever just asked me to pay for their gas might be following me. It, it would put me in this hyper alert state right. where all of a sudden my surroundings felt very dangerous to me and I didn't want whoever was I just paid for their gas. I didn't want them following me home. Like mm-hmm. just kind of unrealistic thoughts, but that's definitely where I went to every single time Yeah, this was happening. So like somebody who doesn't have the history that you have or the connections that cause this to feel like a revisiting of trauma. So me, uh, if if somebody asks me to pay for their groceries, which happens from time to time, I don't have the same trauma response that you do. I might feel uncomfortable because it's kind of an uncomfortable situation to have somebody you don't know asking you to pay for their food. And I might feel like I have questions in my mind about whether they're taking advantage of me. I have questions about 
what is my grocery budget this month and can I afford it? On a bad day, I might be mad at them for even asking me. On a good day, I might be like, well, sure, you know, <laughs> I can do that. But, um, but if, I, if I'm having a bad day and I am annoyed with them for asking me, that's a very different thing than what you're experiencing here. said you feel terrified and you're afraid after that that they're going to be following you and this and that and you're feeling that you can't say no and that's so critical to knowing that you're in the black zone is when you have that feeling of I can't say no and I'm terrified and and like you said that plays back to sexual abuse as a child feeling like I can't say no and I'm terrified somebody's asking you or telling you or putting you in a situation where you feel like you have to do something and you don't have any control over what you're going to do. Does that seem accurate? Yes, very. Okay. And so this last time this happened was in December and I was at Walmart and it was just me alone on the aisle. And this lady came up behind me and as she was walking towards me, she said, excuse me. And I knew instantly what she was like. I said, this happens to Mm -hmm. me a fair amount. So I, I just knew and I entered the black zone immediately and and i just thought well i'm I'm going to i'm going to do this i'm going to pay for her groceries Mm. and she asked and she pointed to her cart uh, and she said this is all i need i was at the very back of the grocery store and i was only about a third of the way through my grocery list Mm. so i looked at this lady i'm terrified but i know i'm gonna say yes and i said sure but i'm only i have a lot more grocery shopping to do so you're gonna have to walk with me around the store basically Mm. So I continue doing my grocery shopping and every time I stop and put something in my cart, she says, hey, can I get this? And she adds something else to her cart. Well, keep in mind, I'm in the black zone. So my answer to everything she says is yes. Uh Yes, sure, of course. Yes, you can. And her grocery cart's just getting, you know, full. Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And so, at this point, we're in the grocery section, and I have to walk over to the pharmacy section of the grocery store, which is on the other side of Walmart. Mm. So me and this stranger start walking to the other side of Walmart, and it, it dawns on me at this point that I'm how scared I am. I mean, I am scared. And then I looked at this woman and realized she's considerably older than I am, and she's limping. Oh. I. And here's the weird thought. At that point, I thought, I can hide from her. I I can outrun her, and I can hide from her. And I had, even in my mind, picked out that aisle right there. I can turn down that aisle, and then I can run. Mm -hmm. And I can run away from her, and I can hide. And I can hide for, I don't even know how long I'll have to hide until she leaves and doesn't find me. And, And somehow going through this thought process of I have to hide from this crippled old lady mm-hmm. snapped something in my brain of like this is this is weird yeah like i don't i don't have to hide from this old lady like right why am i thinking that i have to hide from her in that moment that's probably your prefrontal cortex coming back online a little bit to say wait a minute wait a minute like, you know, your thinking part of your brain is is there again and can say, wait, this is weird. This this doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and so at that point, I start thinking, 
a little bit more rationally and mm-hmm. like do i even want to pay for her groceries i mean and now her cart is totally full i can't afford this but i'm super scared of her <laughs> i'm super scared of this crippled old lady mm-hmm. and 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 like every other time i kind of want to punch her and mm-hmm. and so we go to the um to the pharmacy section and she gets deodorant and hand soap and foot cream like an athlete's foot style cream it's all being piled into her cart yeah. and we get up to pay and and i decided i'm gonna pay i made that decision i'm gonna pay for her groceries but i have so many thoughts going through my head of like something's not right here like mm-hmm. i i this happens to me every time someone pays for their groceries and something about that day and her following me around the store was able to teach me that like i don't have to do this this Mm -hmm. this response i'm having it's not okay and so i pay for her groceries and right before i pay for her groceries she 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 asked for well she said two things one she asked for a ride home and i i laughed out loud and i said no which surprised even myself because i'm used to saying yes in those situations and then she said, I just want you to know, I didn't con you. And I said, you know what? Even if you did, that's between you you and your God. And I paid for her groceries and she left and I never saw her again. I still felt big. My body still felt big. I still was terrified. I still, I was on hyper alert. Everything around me felt like a threat. And so I still stood in Walmart for about 10 or 15 minutes before I was even willing or able to really walk to my car and feel kind of safe. And I just sobbed the whole way home. And I, it was like, for the first time, it was like, I don't ever have to say yes to someone again. And even if we can financially afford this, mm-hmm. I can't mentally and emotionally afford to go to this place yeah. every time someone asks me to pay for their groceries. I can't do this anymore. And so I came home and <laughs> I sent a Marco Polo to you and you know mm-hmm. the rest of our sisters and I talked to Jaren and I cried a lot. I don't know why the crying, but I just it was like years and years of me realizing I had been entering this black zone and thinking I was doing it to be kind Mm, right right. like oh here i'm doing this thing to be kind but really i'm re-traumatizing myself every time and i finally was able to piece together that night why these events were so triggering for me that was the night i realized this is triggering for me because when these people ask me in my mind i go to a place of i must be someone that can be taken advantage of and it's almost like I turn into that again. Uh-huh. And so I just made that decision right there that night. My answer will be no mm-hmm. from now on. Anytime someone asks me, because I have this very big vulnerability within myself, mm-hmm. my answer has to be no so that I don't go back into this black zone. You have to take care of your mental health and not not become the person who is vulnerable, who is a victim. Like it's that feeling of, I'm a victim, I have to say yes. And a feeling that we have to please everybody around us that don't be rude. Like we're taught so often as kids, don't be rude, don't make waves, don't, you know, be be nice. Be be nice. Yes, be nice. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
Thank you for sharing all of that. So I just want to say that some of the things that I noticed as you were talking is, again, that feeling of I'm suddenly the the victim again, or it, I mean, that makes it, that has such a negative connotation. I mean, it is negative, but I, I don't mean like, oh, woe is me. I mean, a feeling of powerlessness, of I, I, yes. I have to, I, I don't have the power or the ability to say no. And it's almost, I mean, that, that no part of our brain is just offline. It's like somebody unplugged part of the computer in our head. And, and that part isn't there right then. So some important takeaways here are that if we are aware of what it, what the black zone is and what it feels like to be in the black zone. If we can recognize, even with a small part of our brain, like you said, when your brain was like, wait a minute, she's old, she's limping. Like, and I am picturing myself hiding from an old crippled woman. And that jolted your thinking part of your brain back to say, this doesn't make sense. Like it brought part of that brain back online and then and then you were able to think a little bit more clearly. And that's what I hope that our listeners will take away from this is that when you are in a situation like this, if you can just with some part of your brain recognize, oh, I know what's happening, this is the black zone, then there are just two things that you need to do in that situation. You need to say no and you need to get out. You decided ahead of time, this is going to happen again. So then you could think through it ahead of time and say, next time this happens, I'm going to say no. It can be really hard to say no in those situations. It can be really hard to get our brain back engaged because we're in that fight, flight, or freeze state, and mostly the freeze state, where we feel like we have to say yes. And this reminds me of when my kids were little, there was a kind of like a stranger danger thing, but... um. One of the lines in it was that it's okay to be rude. You don't have to be polite. We can know that consciously when we're in the black zone. It's really hard to remember, I can say no. I, I do have the power to say no. Tell us about your next experience. What happened in Target? Okay, so I'm at Target. Again, I'm in the very back of the store, and I'm going to grab milk out of the thing. And again, from behind me, a woman approaches, and she has kids in her cart and she says, excuse me, ma'am. And I turn around and she says, can you help me? And again, I thought, I know what she's gonna ask because this has happened to me so many times. And so I knew my answer was no, but I thought maybe she's gonna ask for something different. So I said, help you with what? And she said, my kids and I are fleeing from an abusive husband and I really need some help with food and a hotel room. And I looked at her and I confidently said, I'm sorry, I cannot help you with that. And she said, okay, and she walked away. And the interesting thing was I turned around and I smiled, not because I was being mean to her or I was trying to be rude to her, but because I was proud of myself for saying no. Mm-hmm. And it was almost an emotional experience. Like, yeah. see, I, I can do it. I don't have to be taken advantage of. And But then the thing that caught me off guard was that I still felt scared. Even though I said no, I still felt like I was hyper alert and hyper aware of my surroundings. And I thought, well, okay, I'm, I still have that scary feeling. I still feel like my body just grew, like, you know, to be three mm-hmm. or four times the size, but mm-hmm. I said no. 
Mm -hmm. I'm making progress. And I was able to walk out of the store. I didn't have to, you know, I finished my grocery shopping and left without having to wait, you know, the typical 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. Wow, good. So baby steps. Yes, yeah. Baby steps. Yeah, and even though your body had that fear response it's almost like a ptsd thing it's interesting in both of these scenarios that they approached you from behind and in the first one you specifically said you were the only person on the aisle those match up so well with ways that people look for victims so if you think about when somebody gets mugged in a dark alleyway there are a few things that are almost universally common in situations like that One is an element of surprise. They want to take you by surprise. So approaching from behind is an interesting tactic. And then in a situation where you're alone is often another tactic. So the fact that the first woman in Walmart that you talked about, you were the only person on the aisle and she approached you from behind is textbook for how people look for victims. Now, I I also want to be really clear in something just in case our listeners think that my intention or thoughts here are that we should not help people who are in need or anything like that. That is not my intention or thought at all. I am a huge proponent of reaching out and helping homeless people and people who need and the scripture that says, you know, don't uh, dismiss the beggar who puts up his petition to you. I'm a fan of that. I also, however recognize that we have to be in a place of good mental health ourselves in order to be able to help other people. And sometimes what we're being asked to give is not just financial. In your case, it's also emotional and putting you into a situation that's replaying trauma from your life. And that's something that, like Jesus doesn't ask us to relive trauma. That's not part of his thing of of helping people. So I just want to make that distinction that this isn't about please don't help people who need help. This is about learning how to protect ourselves mentally and emotionally from things that trigger repeat of trauma from our past. So just to clarify that. Right. And, and that don't put us in the black zone. We don't, that's not a safe place for us to be. What puts us in the black zone is different for each person. There are specific things, so like being mugged in a dark alleyway will put just about anybody into the black zone. Um, So, which is why they can get away with that and say, hand me your wallet, hand me your car keys. If we had known that that situation was gonna happen, could have done something to prepare for it and have thought through something ahead of time, but it's something that surprises us, that scares us, that causes us to suddenly switch from being in our own heads to being in a situation where we feel dangerously vulnerable. So yes, very different for each person. What causes that? Good job to take that so differently in Target. And so do you have... Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you have some takeaways, things that you think, this is what I want people to know about this? Um, I guess I want people to know that it's real. Mm-hmm. And that I, I guess, yeah, that's that's my biggest takeaway is for people to know that it's real because unless you know that it's a thing, you won't know that it's happening, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like I didn't, I didn't even realize years. This has been going on for years, and I never ever realized 
even what was happening Mm -hmm. until you pointed it out. You were the one that taught me about this. And then I was able to finally say, okay, this is not good. Here I've been thinking I'm doing a good thing and really this is not good for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to know that this is a real thing and you know, to think about it so that when you end up in that situation, you'll have the knowledge to say, this is what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the two tools are to say no and to remove myself from the situation. I'm going to do another podcast on this later and dive into my experiences with this a little bit more, but I just want to emphasize again, loud and clear, say no and get out of the situation. The trigger to recognize that is that feeling of powerlessness. I can't, I'm not able to think. I the feeling that I can't say no, that I have to say yes. And when that goes along with the feeling of being terrified, I have to say yes and I'm feeling terrified, that should be a huge red flag in your mind saying, I'm in the black zone right now. I'm in the black zone. I know what this is. You don't have to think through the situation. You don't have to come up with a solution. All you need to know is say no and get out. That's it. Just you, know, you, you don't need a fully functioning brain right then. You just need to say no and get out. Yep. That's it. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk about your experiences and share them with us. And you have so many amazing things that you've learned from your own recovery process. And I love that you, your willingness to share those things with people. Can you tell our listeners where they can find your workbook and just a little bit about it, what it's about and yeah. where they can find it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, I did. I wrote a workbook. It's called Unlocking Bright Minds. And it just has um, some mental health tools in it that you can um, you know, learn those mental health tools and then apply them in your day-to-day lives. It does combine mental health tools with some of the teachings from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I think is unique and special about it is that um, those two things are combined. And mm-hmm. my Instagram is unlocking underscore bright underscore minds. Mm-hmm. And my website is unlockingbrightminds.org. Awesome. I will put those in the show notes also so that people can just find them there as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners for being here. I am Rebecca, and this is Emily. And thank you for sharing some things that we know. Thank you.